Cover and support begins in 3, 2, 1. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nurture and Support, a recommendation podcast sharing all the awesome since 2013. I'm Kelly at K-E-L-L-Y-T-H-U-L on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Mel at Karmic9 pretty much everywhere online. So it always seems like a good idea on the podcast we've been recording lately to do a quick shelter-at-home check-in to see how things are going. <laughs> I'm in Illinois. Mel's in Texas. Uh, slightly different dynamics. Well, when we're recording this, this is on the cusp of some strange things starting to happen, like beaches opening up in Florida inexplicably. <laughs> and uh, so we'll see. Illinois seems to be staying the course. Most of our major employers are actually going to keep people from coming in and working from home. They're having work from home until probably around May 15th. No huge changes with the exception of now it's one person to a cart. They're watching the number of people that are in a lot of the stores more now. And so every once in a while you might have to queue outside. But we're still pretty good supply-wise. Of course, with the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 uh, remains in full effect. The hoarders out there. But really outside of that one commodity, everything else seems to be, we're doing okay. So that's Illinois. How about Texas? Well, my major complaint during... All of this. We actually haven't talked a whole lot during this. Texas, unfortunately, my area of of Texas, in my opinion, has not really been taking all of this all that seriously. But we haven't been hit as hard as some of the other places have been. So most people here don't know someone that's been positive yet. So... I get angry every time I try to go anywhere because there are a lot of people not wearing masks. And I believe our governor had a press conference yesterday about us, uh, oh, I don't know, opening some stuff up next week. (laughs) So, yeah, I would say the situation here, I don't know. We haven't been hit that hard, but that may be coming since... We are opening up, uh, I'm not sure exactly what they're they're trying to get opened up next week. It's supposed to be some sort of phase, but he's going to tell us very soon. A lot of the employers around here, people, have, businesses have not been abiding by the rules of not being open. So there's a lot of non-essential businesses that are still operating. What's, so. what's your restaurant situation? Is it, are they closed down? For the inside service, yes, but almost all of them are doing takeout or delivery. So they have been not allowing people in, but most of our stores have not been particularly counting the people that are in the stores. So there's really not lines to get in and you're in places with people who Texas y'all, I guess we just won't wear masks. So you're in stores with people who don't wear masks for the most part. I hear things are better in some other counties in my area. I am in Denton County, technically, and Denton County people are not appearing to care much. So we are actually going, we're going to start going to Tarrant County to do our shopping because we hear that people there are wearing masks in the stores. Might be limiting the people that are going inside. And I have an elderly parent that I am shopping for and I do not want to expose her to something. So Yeah, I just started to see around here the, the actually had the first several instances of where they are keeping count. And queuing people up, like at an Aldi uh, grocery store that's around here. And mm-hmm. they've done that. Oddly enough, Menards, which is a in a Midwest hardware store, like a Lowe's or a Home mm-hmm. Depot, that place is hopping. <laughs> it's hopping every day. The lot is about as full as I've ever seen it. 
I mean, I guess some of the things for home repairs are essential, but I made multiple trips to Menards to build this darn retaining wall that I've been working on for a while. Mm-hmm. Probably not an essential construction item, but uh, they yeah. are hopping. There's a, there's a lot of people that are using the time to do projects, it looks like. Yeah, I've noticed the same thing here. We have, uh, I think they're national. There, there's a, a chain feed store, kind of agriculture supply store called Tractor Supply. I, they're probably mostly everywhere. There's one in our in our area that is not usually that busy, but they carry horse feed, cattle feed, sheep feed, all that kind of stuff, even dog and cat stuff. But they also carry fencing material. You know, they're not as big as like a Home Depot. They're about a less than a fourth of the size, but they carry that kind of stuff. And um, they have been overwhelmed every time I have tried to go there because we do have chickens and horses and cows and dogs and cats, and they all need to eat at this time. And um, my grocery store is always out of our dog food in particular, and they, of course, don't carry chicken food. So I have to go to Tractor Supply. They have been busier than I have ever seen them be before. And it's just crazy to me. But I don't know. I don't know. I guess there's a lot of people at home who want to go get stuff to work outside because our weather's been pretty decent. Y'all have snow. Isn't that what I've seen? Y'all yeah, are it, uh, been snow? Yeah, we've had a couple occurrences here in April where we had... Uh... We had snow. The good news is it shows up one day. It makes a great Instagram picture to complain about. And then it all melts away for us. But uh, in Indiana, northern part of Indiana, they got three inches of snow yesterday. So that's that's no good. (laughs) That's no good That's crazy. Yeah. We've been having a lot of rain, but it's been, it's temperature-wise, it's been nice here. We haven't had any chance. They actually thought we might have snow during some cold front that was supposed to be blowing through, but it didn't make it all the way down to us. So weather-wise, we've been pretty good. So we have a lot of people, I guess, trying to work outside. So I'm debating whether I'm going to have to try to go to a Home Depot because my refrigerator (laughs) is dying and I'm going to have to replace it. So there's that. This there's Super never there's fun. never a good time for that, but this seems like a particularly bad time for that. Yes. Yeah, it is. Anyway, but those are the trials and tribulations we all have to deal in our new pandemic life. All right, on to lighter fare. <laughs> I'll go ahead and start us off for this week. So, uh quiz for you, Mel, since I would fail I would fail any nurture and support quiz, by the way. <laughs> so, don't don't worry if you okay. don't do well. How many Fitbit products have we recommended on this show (laughs) and have they been recommended by one of us or both of us? I think it's been at least two and I think we've both done them. Very good. Incredibly well done. It is indeed best that I can tell. It is too. I started things off way back in the day with the Fitbit Flex, a non-display, wear it on your wrist, four-dot tracker. Give you a buzz if you got a a call or a a text. And then you did the charge and Mm -hmm. talked about the Fitbit charge. And so since those have been going so well, I figure, what the heck? You know, Fitbit, if you'd like to send Mel and I additional products (laughs) for us to talk about, we remain very open to that. Yes, we do. I'm going to talk about the uh, Fitbit Versa 2. So All right. Fitbit Versa 2, much like the previous Fitbit items we talked about, is largely uh, tied to step tracking and exercise and all that. It syncs with your phone. Price point, what this comes into is it's not, it's a smart-ish watch. It's not a full-blown smartwatch. 
Uh, you have some of the functionalities. It's got uh, some basic capabilities like the, the timer. If you're looking to do something, it's super easy to fire up a timer on it. Uh, it does have a Spotify connectivity with it. You can actually store some media on the watch itself as well. So you can, you can do that. You can Bluetooth connect. You can do all that. What it does not have is a GPS. So for the runners out there who want to say, oh, I want to wear a smartwatch and have it do the tracking, but I don't want to kick, take my phone with me, this isn't really an option. But it comes in just $199 is the the list price, typically for a Fitbit Versa 2, which pulls it way back from smart price watches. And then there are all these tweeners out there by Samsung and other companies as well that provide you some functionalities that aren't a full-blown Apple Watch. I'm an Android guy anyway, so the Apple Watch mm-hmm. was never going to be a big fit. I did have a, a version of an Android smartwatch for a while, but that's been discontinued and it mine stopped working. So I needed to, to go with something, and so I didn't know if I was going to make the, the big plunge for a major smartwatch. And I ended up going with the Versa 2. I wanted to use it for a pretty long time before I decided if I was going to honestly want to recommend it or not. And I think a lot of it depends on, for my use, I'd absolutely recommend it. It's worked perfectly for me for what I want it to do, which is even when I had my previous uh, smarter watch, I had the capability to do a phone call on my watch, but I had no real true need to do that. But that idea, and what was always great with the first watch and is carried through with the Versa 2, is I was notorious for missing because I'd have my phone on silent most of the day. I'd miss calls, I'd miss text, and eventually pick up the phone and go, oh, there's a bunch of stuff that happened. You get that really nice connection between the two. And so I know basically when emails, calls, and texts all come in, I can read the emails uh, on the phone. I can connect, like I said, to Spotify. I can use the timer functionality. There's a couple other exercise apps on there. And there is a version of Alexa on it as well. Outside of testing it out the first time to see how it would work, I've not really played with the, the Alexa stuff because, again, kind of Google guy. So my Google household has a Google Home versus an Alexa. So I think some of the true power of having Alexa on the watch is lost when I've got a Google Home sitting there. So, But yeah. display's great. The battery life. And battery life was one of the big selling points on it. They, they talked in a lot of the material and reviews around a five-day battery life. That has not been my experience. It's been a little bit shorter than that, but it is pretty good. I mean, it is not something I have to charge every night. I can easily go. I can definitely go three days, sometimes four days before it starts to flag and say, hey, maybe you need to charge this guy up. But the display is nice. The interface, once you get used to it and how you can get to the menus and all that, it's pretty straightforward and easy to use. Pairing it was a breeze. Didn't have a problem with that at all. Been very reliable and, and pretty durable. I've been, as I mentioned earlier, doing a lot of yard work here recently, and I kept thinking out of sticking in my pocket but i never managed to do it <laughs> so it was out exposed during all that work and none the worse for wear as far as i can tell so keeping with the long-standing tradition hope you're listening fitbit of nurture and support <laughs> recommending fitbit products i would recommend the fitbit versa 2 that's cool. I really looked at the Versa. I think it was just the Versa 1 when I was trying to make a decision on whether I was going to get that or get a Apple Watch. I ended up getting the a refurbed Apple Watch 3. So I've had it for quite a while now, but Honestly, I don't use it for all those smart watch capabilities other than getting the notifications on the phone. And I do subscribe to Apple Music, so it makes it easy to control the music on my phone. 
I am an iPhone user. But other than that, I don't use my Apple Watch. If, if y'all are like me and you don't use all the smart features on, say, an Apple Watch, I agree with Kelly that here that the Versa would do everything that you really need it to do at a much cheaper price tag. So I don't know if I, when my Apple Watch kicks it, if I will continue with the Apple Watch Dynasty or not. Because I've been Fitbit, as we talked about, forever. I think I've had four versions of the Fitbit. I think I've had all of them, I think. So I really like Fitbits. They do their job. But did Amazon buy them? They did. I think. Okay. And that, that, I thought they did. That's a component of why Alexa is a Why Alexa is on there. Yeah, I thought I had read that, that Amazon was making a bid for them at the time. Yeah. So, you know, that would give it very good Android integration. I wonder how it works with iPhones. Because Spotify is, if you're going to pay for a music subscription, Spotify has all the music, even more than Apple Music does. So that was a big component of why I went with the Apple Watch. It's because I had an Apple Music subscription. But Okay, and so my recommendation, this show, kind of... Kind of, uh, if you're having a supply chain problem in your area right now, then you might not be able to really utilize this recommendation right now. I have been having, and I've heard all over, uh, people all over the world having the same problem, of yeast and flour not being available in the stores. So I have some friends have told me there's no problem in their stores, but I have not seen flour or I I did manage to score four of the little packets of yeast about a week ago in my grocery store, but I haven't seen flour in weeks, but I happened to have several bags. So I'm okay at the moment, but my hunt for flour will continue. My recommendation this week is for bread. It's a bread, homemade bread recipe from a book that is probably 10 years old, maybe old. I think it's a little older than that, actually. And it's called Artisan Bread in Five Minutes a Day. And the website, they actually have a website that I didn't know about until they put out a revised edition of this bread baking book that I just looked up a few weeks ago. And the website is Artisan Bread in Five, and the five is spelled out, dot com. And this book was really kind of... I don't know, amazing when it first came out. People hadn't really considered how to make bread this way was my understanding. So the authors are a doctor and a neighbor of his that happened to be a baker. So they came up with a method of mixing up bread dough and you're making it really mm, a lot wetter than you normally would. So you're using more water and you keep it in the refrigerator. So you don't have to knead it. All you do is initially throw water, yeast, a little bit of salt, and your flour in a big tub. You mix it up. You let it rise on your counter for two hours. And then you put it in your refrigerator. And it lasts in your refrigerator for two weeks. And you can go in there and pull off what they recommend when you're getting started is to pull up about a grapefruit size batch of dough. And that will make about a one pound little bowl or loaf of artisan bread. And you don't have to knead it. You just kind of smooth the tops of it to make a ball. And you let it rest for, I think, about 40 minutes. 
and then you bake it for, depending on where you are, about 35 minutes. And you get a really nice loaf of thick, crusty crust, um, very moist bread inside. It's really pretty amazing, and it's really easy if bread baking has seemed like something that you can't, you know, you don't have the time to do, but you really like it. This is something that anybody could do. I am not a baker, particularly a bread baker. I, I That is not something I've ever had the time or the inclination to do, but I really enjoy this method. And it, this is one of those things that I did a lot a long time ago. And somehow I got out of the habit and kind of forgot about doing it. And right before the flower shortage, I had pulled out my old book and was going to start doing this again and then couldn't find any yeast because my yeast was expired. And so I wasn't able to actually do this until I found yeast in the store last week. And we mixed up um, our big tub of it a few days ago, and I baked our first loaf of the new generation of Artisan Bread and Five in my home just the other day. It didn't last very long because it was really good, but it's really good bread. And if you want to get the book, it gives you a bunch of different variations of things you can do. But what I've told you is their basic method, their basic recipe to get you started. There's a lot of things you can do by about putting herbs in the and even turning it, adjusting that recipe to make it more of a sweetbread type recipe. I never got into doing any of that. I was just into the basically the herb bread, I think is as as advanced as I really got before. So I love bread and this is really good bread and it is really easy. I would get home from work and take a little ball of that dough out let it rest for a while, go do some other stuff and then pop it in the oven and it would come out perfect. And it was really good. So if you're a bread lover, this is a really quick, easy way to make homemade bread at home with nothing else in it but flour, water, salt, and yeast. And you don't have to worry about it ever running out because you have it in your fridge. And that rest, that six cups of flour is what the original um, master recipe starts with. That will make you about four loaves. So it's a pretty good deal and you make it at home. And since we really shouldn't be going to the grocery store all the time, even though they probably have the bakery section bread, this is bread you make at home yourself if you can find flour. So if you can't find flour, just remember this for when flour is back in your store and yeast. And you can make bread at home too. So that website again is artisanbreadin5.com and they have a whole bunch of stuff on there. They're still updating that website. I was really kind of surprised because like I said, this book is really pretty old, but um, they're still updating it and putting recipes up. And so there's a lot of help there. I'd start there and then maybe pick up the book. Yeah, yeast, yeast and flour are the toilet paper of baking goods right now. So if there, if there are things that are, yeah. it didn't sound right, but I think you know what I meant. <laughs> I don't know. In a pinch, you might could use, if you manage to make some bread, you might be able to use it in lieu of the toilet paper yes. shortage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so glad Mike hasn't joined us for this episode. Yes. <laughs> He'd love that. He would, he would have many, many insights for us. I'm sure. No, that sounds really cool. So when you make the dough and you let it rise initially and, mm -hmm. and then you put it in the fridge, is it covered in the fridge? Is it in a sealed container? You you seal it after the first couple of days. You want to, depending on the kind of yeast that you use, and I didn't want to get it, 
get too complicated. There's a bunch of different kinds of yeast out there. They actually have said after the first book came out in talking to a bunch of the people that use their recipes that actually the type of yeast that you use isn't important. So there's instant yeast, there's active dry yeast. It doesn't matter what kind of yeast that you find. Like I got I got kind of upset that the only yeast I could find, those four little packets that I could find, which the packets are outrageously expensive. But if that's all you can find, that's all you can find. They were instant yeast. And what I thought I needed was the active dry yeast. And um, the active dry yeast is the stuff you actually have to mix with warm water and let it proof for a few minutes before you use it. Instant yeast you usually just pour into a dough recipe and it activates with the water that you add. Anyway, we don't need to get into that. It doesn't matter what kind of yeast you have at the store. So any yeast, whether it's instant or active dry that you find at the store, you can use with this recipe. I ended up having to use the instant and that's like a high rise yeast. So mine seems to be kind of outgassing a little more than I remember it used to do with the active dry. So for the first couple of days, while it's still putting out a lot of gas, you're not going to completely seal the container. You're just going to kind of put the lid over it so that it can not expand in a sealed, you know, you don't have that gas buildup in the tub. So you just leave it cracked. And then after that, you can actually seal it so it doesn't dry out or anything. You could also cover it with like plastic wrap, but um, I have an actual food grade bread tub that seals really well. Food grade bread tub is a great band name. <laughs> and, yeah, that does sound good. I think I, I think I'm gonna give this a shot for eating only. No other purpose of making this bread <laughs> except for yeah. consumption. It's really a nice bread. I I like it. the The crust is really um, it's really thick, like your typical artisan loaves. So don't expect like a like a soft like a sandwich type bread that you would get. It's got a real thick crust on it, particularly when you first take it out and let it cool um, after you've baked it. If you then put it in like a plastic bag to store it, I think the moisture from the inside actually kind of seeps out and softens the crust a little bit if you don't like the crust so crunchy. But it's a good bread. You can toast it. It's really good. It's really good with soup, too. So it's good bread. And bread is good. And right now we need all the good comforting things that we can Hopefully you can find flour. And yeast. (laughs) Yes. You don't need a lot of yeast, but you do need a little bit. And that's one of the things, this bread, um, because it ages in that tub, you actually, it's not a true sourdough, but the older it gets in that tub, so kind of if you haven't, if for some reason you still have dough in there at the end, getting close to your two weeks, that dough will actually have taken on a bit of a sourdough flavor more so than your your fresh dough that you use is what they say mine doesn't normally last that long i tried uh to get it to last that long but it never really did you can also instead of cleaning the tub out completely when you go to make your second batch leave the remnants of the previous dough in there and that will kind of kickstart your sourdough flavor for the next time so it's not a true sourdough, but you can get a little bit of a tang, like a sourdough, little tang kind of flavor to it. So, and the older you keep, the more you keep your bread going, the more you'll get that flavor from it. Sounds great, and it does sound fun. I think I'll have to have to give that a shot since since I have time on my hands, <laughs> and so yeah. 
Yeah, it doesn't take a whole lot of time, unfortunately, but it does give you a sense of accomplishment. So, and it's not a real making real bread with all the kneading and the rising and all of that can be really difficult. I've never, I tried it a long, long time ago and um, it was just too hard, but this is super easy. So it's very accessible to baking wannabes. So you can get a successful bread loaf and feel proud of yourself for not a lot of effort. I like the sounds of that. (laughs) So anything else for this week from you? Nope. I think that's it. That's it for me as well. So I'd like to thank uh, everybody for listening. Please subscribe to the Bog Panda YouTube channel. Uh, And thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. You can contact us on our website, nurtureandsupport.net, or email us at nurtandsup at gmail.com. That's N-U-R-T-A-N-D-S-U-P-P at gmail.com. Or tweet us at Nurt and Sup on Twitter. You can also catch Nurture and Support on YouTube. Nurturing and supporting. Turn it.